You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. So we've been in a we've been in a really powerful place. I'm gonna just share some things. I see new faces every single week, and I, I'm trying to build upon what God's doing here. We went to California a few weeks ago, received just a fresh touch from the Lord, me, Tiffany, Jordan, and AJ, and um, brought it back. I said it this way. The best way I can say it is, you know when you go on vacation with friends and you go to the grocery store, there's this thing you always have to say, do you need anything from the store? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you want, you're running to the grocery store and you're like, hey, do you need anything while I go out? When we went, it was not in the intention of just getting something for us. It was with the heart of, Lord, what can we bring back for everyone? Because I know that I have, it's great just for me to get filled up, but I know that we can change a city and nations if we all get filled up. And there's something I'm going after very intentionally in this, in this house, really intentionally, and it's corporate anointing. There is an anointing that when a, a minister gets up, things break out. A lot of times, though, when the minister leaves, so does what happened. There's also something that happens when you welcome someone to minister, that when a corporate anointing is present, it opens up for more to be pulled out in the spirit. Jesus said, if you honor the prophet, you get the prophet's reward. I don't believe it's limited to a prophet. If you honor the person next to you, you get to pull what's on their life. If you honor the person ministering, if you honor the worship team, you get to receive what they're carrying. I don't know about you, but that's powerful. And and so I've been going after this this corporate anointing, and I'm going to be talking to you about it a lot in the next forever, Um, because I don't feel the Lord letting go of it. I feel like I want to create such an atmosphere where when someone steps into the room, they just get set free. They don't even have to be prayed for. They should be prayed for, if anything, just to make them feel loved now that they've already been touched by God. I love when I pray for someone that says, hey, can you pray for me at the end? I'm in pain. And I come up to them, and they're like, I already got healed. I'm like, Great. Like, that's fantastic. I think that we're going to see such an atmosphere of breakthrough and miracles that when people just drive on the property, they're going to get touched. I went out to coffee with a few different people this last week that have been joining in some of our services. One of them is brother Matt Sorger. He's a friend. Lives in Charlotte. Good guy. Another one's Alex Parkinson that sat over here last week. Jordan prophesied over him. And I just wanted to take these guys to coffee and just, just love them and bless them. And Alex, we went to coffee, and uh, he was getting stirred up. Alex is like straight evangelistic fire. Like we're talking at coffee. We're at Brakeman's, such a cute coffee shop, and he's starting to sway. I'm like, oh, here he goes. <laughs> he's going to go into his, uh, he's gonna go into his Lou Engle in a minute. <laughs> Father, <laughs> we're believing you for a nation. Um, <laughs> I always wanted to do that. Um, <laughs> I've been working on that one for years. Jesus! I feel like Lou Engle, when he's praying, could like snap the devil in half. You're like, <laughs> he's like, I haven't eaten in three years. <laughs> or coffee, and Alex is just, he's like, I'm telling him what I'm going to talk with you about this morning. And he's starting to just get hit by the spirit. And he said, John, he said, the, the, he said, the top, he's like, every time I step into your church, I feel like the top's getting ready to pop off this thing. He's like, I don't know when it's going to happen. He said, but, man, I got goosebumps. He's like, I feel like the top is going to bust off, and God's glory is going to come in a way that you've never seen. I'm paraphrasing what he was sharing, but, he's, but, but to his words, he said, the top is about to pop off. I do believe that. I do believe that God never closed anything on his end, but we can close things on our end. You understand? We pray, Lord, open the heavens. The great thing is he never shut it. Did you? We're in the heavens and come down, Lord. Powerful prayer, different covenant, but you can sure clog up the heavens. (laughs) And so I I went went and I've, I've been going through this process of, Lord, how do we steward The word that I get was like, how do we steward miracles? How do we respond to miracles? 
Because how many of you know that we know that there's a process that when God moves, it's not for the sake of just healing people. He loves to heal people. He loves to see signs, wonders, and miracles. But how many of you know that a sign points to something else? And if we get, um, it shouldn't change the pursuit of seeing the kingdom of God released on earth. I'm not telling you don't pursue it. I think that's ridiculous to say don't pursue signs, wonders, and miracles when Jesus told us to. But the question is, is why am I pursuing it? And, and a better question would be, how do I respond when they show up? How do I keep carrying it? And I went to, I, I shared some of this two weeks ago, so I might repeat myself, but I went to, when we went to Bethel, we ended up going to a worship service the first night. Just so happened that um, Upper Room was doing a worship service for Bethel's young adults. I'm like, so kind of them to do that with us there. Because um, they're from Texas. We're in California. And some guy's like, oh, you're here for Upper Room. I'm like, hmm, sure. <laughs> Where is that going to be? <laughs> and uh, I'm, in this, I'm in this worship service. I am tired. This is night one. You know the time change? It's like 8 o'clock. I feel like it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> Stop, Jordan. Um, I was getting grumpy old man status. Like, I was in this foyer that was maybe twice the size of ours with this many people crammed in the foyer. Like, they wouldn't let us in. And they're excited, you know. It's young adults, right? They're like, I'm like leaning against the wall like, Jesus, either take me or open those doors. Like, I am so tired. And people are like... What are you here for? I'm like, just stop. <laughs> just, I, I'm so tired. And anyways, we get in there. I don't have a lot of, I'm not by any means thriving in faith. And I, I, I get in there, but I'm hungry. Yeah. I am hungry. And I get in there and I sit down and I get in the presence and they just, they start singing the song. Awake my soul to sing, sing a praise out loud, sing a praise out loud. And, um, and then they sung this little ad lib, would you, um, walk around this room. They started singing, walk around the room. Would you walk around the room? Would you, you know, upper room. And they, they, the singing this, just would you walk around here or walk around here? And the Lord comes and he says, John, he says, I'm going to teach you and I'm going to give you a baptism of humility. I thought, That's, that, that could be taken many ways, Lord. <laughs> Is this a rebuke? <laughs> you know, and, and it wasn't a humble yourself statement. It was, I'm going to show you the power of humility. And I, and I, I came away from that, and he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to touch you. I'm going to show you the baptism of humility, and you're going to baptize others in humility. So I'm like, I'm, I'm praying. I've been studying. I'm like, Lord, give me something. And he, and he, took, me to the, he took me to... Um, he took me to the baptism of Jesus, and I'm going to kind of hold on before we jump in too deep. But the baptism of Jesus, the very baptism of Jesus was a baptism of humility into power. It was a baptism of humility, but one into power. Before we get into that, we're going to crank it up just a little bit in here. Two nights ago, I had an encounter with the Lord, and I'm not going to really share my encounter because it's, it's not really related to what's going on here. But I laid in my bed, and I couldn't sleep. And I was laying there, and I was just, I'd watched about all the NCIS I could watch. <laughs> and I'm like, I shut the TV off. I'm like, I am like wide awake. And so I laid in my bed, and I prayed this prayer. I've never prayed it before. I just said, Lord, would you touch me with your glory so I can touch others with your glory? And I kept saying, and I, it was like it got stuck on repeat. You ever had like you're praying and it just keeps coming out and you're like, I'm not trying to say this, it just keeps coming. And I'm like, Lord, would you touch me with your glory so I can touch others for your glory? Lord, would you touch me with your, and, and I felt the presence of the Lord falling on me. And the Lord said, I'm going to touch you, and it's not going to let up till 3 a.m. I thought, well, okay. And I laid there, and the Lord came on me so strong. And he walked me through this journey of something that I'm going through in my life that I needed him to give me his perspective on. But it was in the glory that I came into the revelation of what God was doing. And he took me almost like a movie. 
don't know if you've ever seen any of those moving movies like Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, those, those kind of, you watch the whole movie and you're not really sure what's going on. At the end, they show you from the beginning of the movie, here's what happened. You're like, oh my goodness. And the Lord took me, he, he took me all the way back to the dreams that people gave us that started something and he walked me through it to the end. And for us, this has to do with a piece of property that we bought. And I've been really frustrated with this property because of just some things that were on hold. And I began to be challenged. Like, Lord, you know when you start off, you're like, God told us. And then months later, pretty sure God told us. <laughs> A few months later, you're like, God, why did you tell us this? <laughs> to, is that you, God? And I was, I was getting down this path, and I was walking as strong as I knew how. And I'm like, God, I'm, I am. I have no, I'm like the Israelite standing at the Red Sea, like, what are you going to do? And he took me down it, and, and I'd, I had felt all these feelings of this process of buying this property and myself that when it wasn't working out the way I wanted to, yeah, I, hear, I feel like the Lord's showing me where to go. When it wasn't working out the way I thought it should, I started feeling embarrassed. And part of it, Rachel said this morning, part of it is my personality type on the whole Enneagram thing. I'm a three, so I'm an achiever. I'm like, I can get this done. And I'm like, Lord, I had this, I've had this mindset. I'm like, Lord, I, you can take care of this. I'm like, I don't have to make anything known. You can take care of it. And then he said, yeah, but he said, if you don't make it known, you take away the glory when I do the miracle. And I thought, oh, that's pretty good. And he, he took all the pain that I had been walking through for months just after a prayer of, Lord, would you touch me with your glory? He took all the pain, all the frustration, all the embarrassment, and he took me to a scripture. I don't think I have it, but. He took me to the scripture when Jehoshaphat, who was the, the, you know, over the tribe of Judah. He took me to scripture where it said that their enemies were surrounding them. You remember this story? The enemies were coming in. And Jehoshaphat does something interesting. King Jehoshaphat says, bring everyone here. Bring everyone here. Did I, did I mark this down? No. He said, and they said, bring the children Bring the women, bring everyone. We're going to pray, we're going to fast. And then he does something interesting. He brings everyone together. He gets them all together and he says this statement. He says, Lord, your name is on this place. What did he do? He said, Lord, your name is on this. This is your problem. You see, when God calls you to something, there's a place where you can step back and say, Lord, I've been obedient. See, for Tiffany and I, the, th the, the things we've been walking through, we've been obedient. And the Lord, the Lord said, John, you've been obedient. Now, let me take care of it. And we step back, and the Lord showed me that scripture when Jehoshaphat said, he says, Lord, your name is on this place. For some of you, your family, declare it, your name is on my family. What are you going to do about it? Some of you need to get bold with the Lord. He can handle it. He's a big God. And I just pray, I said, Lord... Your name is on this property. <laughs> Your name is on this house. What are you going to do about it? And God is inviting us into a place of breakthrough and miracles at the gates and in your homes and families. But it's rooted in the glory of God. It's rooted in the glory of God. And so I want to pray something. Looking at the clock, figure out where we're going to go. I want us to, right off the top, I want us to pray the same prayer together. 
I know you've sat and gotten comfy, but if you could stand for just a moment. I, I have a note of thoughts that literally I got between 12 and 3 in the morning that I'm just shooting from the pocket here with what the Lord gave me. I believe that I believe at any moment we're going to say a prayer <laughs> and the dam is going to break loose and your whole life's going to change. I don't need anything other than Jesus. Would you pray this? Just pray, Lord, touch me with your glory so I can touch others with your glory. People are going to start feeling it. This way, pray it again. Lord, touch me with your glory so I can touch others with your glory. Silence your mind, silence the mess, connect with Jesus. Lord, touch us with your glory. Lord, would you touch us with your glory? Lord, would you touch us with your glory? Jesus, blow through this room right now. Blow through this room right now. Father, we can have great sermons on YouTube and podcasts. But, Lord, we're here to be touched by your glory. We're here to encounter you. So I ask again with faith and confidence that you're getting ready to do it. Lord, touch this room with your glory. Lord, touch this room with your glory. Some of you need to put down any cynical uh, cynicism. I feel a block over some of you. You're holding an umbrella of criticism and cynicism which is why people around you get touched and you stand looking. Put that away. Get to the point where you don't care what it's going to look like. You don't care what you're going to look like. And say, Lord, touch me with your glory. I feel faith just rising up. Lord, touch me with your glory. Come on, put your hand on somebody next to you like an electrical circuit that's connecting. Lord, touch them. Touch me. Touch my neighbor. Touch my spouse with your glory. Come on, just for another moment. I want to I minister from this place this morning. Father, would you just come and walk these aisles right now, Lord? Pray with me, church. Lord, would you come and walk these aisles? Would you walk this room? Would you walk through the caverns, Father, of our hearts and our minds that feel empty? Would you just come and manifest your presence right now? Manifest your glory, God. Father, manifest yourself in this room right now. I prayed this before church and I'm praying it again. Would you do something today that all of us see and say, only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Jesus, would you, would you wash away the callous and the hardness of heart? I feel this morning like kind of a strong word and on responding to the signs, wonders, and miracles. And it might sting a little bit, but it has to happen for us to have more. God, pour out your presence. Pour out your presence. Pour out your presence. Now, now position yourself to receive it. <laughs> Just like when you have to position to catch a ball. It's not the same as when you're throwing a ball. Position your heart. Position yourself to receive more of your presence. More. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to wait here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Touch with your glory. Touch us with your glory. Just as, Father, we get to ask it all the time. Moses got to go up a mountain, and you walked by with your glory. 
Father, we can experience it yes. at any moment yes. right here. Okay. Touch me with your glory. Would you wash away the years of pain yeah. that some of the folks in this room can't even ask it because they've connected it to pain? Your glory is connected to your goodness. See, he is the good news. He is the good news. You see, your word is called the good news. He is the good news. In the same way you can encounter him in reading the word, you can sit here and say, God, let your glory touch me. And just as Moses experienced God on a mountain, it's all of his goodness passed before him. Passed through this room. Passed through this room. I want more. I want more. I want more. Just pray in the spirit for a moment. If you have a prayer language, all throughout this room, pray in the spirit for a moment. If you don't have a prayer language, just put your hand on your heart maybe and receive that breath of the Holy Spirit and receive your prayer language. It said in Acts 2, when the Spirit of God came on them, one of the things that was manifestation was praying in a different language. It's, it's, he's called us to do it. Lord, those in this room that are hungry for the Spirit, fill them right now. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> you feel that? <laughs> Turn it up, church. I, I feel literally in my hands. I feel like him manifesting in my hands. Turn it up, Holy Spirit. Turn it up, Holy Spirit. Would you just heal your kids right now? If you need a healing in your body, just lay hands on it. In Jesus' name, he's healing in the room right now. He's healing in the room right now. Uh, issues in the back of your neck, up to your right ear maybe. He's healing that right now, back there. He's healing that right now. He's healing that right now. Pain in your heels. He's healing that right now. Pain in your heels, like just constant pain. You've put every insert in your shoe you got. Touch them with Jesus. Heal that pain. He's healing it. You're good, God. In the name of Jesus. Freedom, 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 freedom. Thanks, God. I'm going to let you be seated, but that's exactly where I want to remain. You can stay where you're at if you're on the floor. You don't have to get up. We have a responsibility. Please don't disconnect from that place. I did that to preach from the spot, not just to, not to hit it and go back down. Let's just keep going higher. <laughs> and I feel something in this room. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like I. I don't even want to preach. Like, I just, ah, come on. Touch us with your glory. It's an interesting scripture. You're okay. Keep going. I can go through a lot. If he starts, listen, if he starts moving on you, just take it. Don't, don't wait on the sermon to end. I have learned something in the presence of the Lord. When the doors open, go through it. Don't be like, I'm going to sit in my seat for another 45 minutes, sir. Go through it. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit.
Matthew eleven twenty. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they didn't repent. Woe to you. I, I can't say all these very well, but Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for the miracles that were performed. If you if had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, 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 I don't know, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. I want to say that again. If they had, ex- if they had experienced miracles in their town, they would have repented. There's two sides to this coin in the scripture. There's the town that he says, some of the most amazing miracles were performed in your town. But you didn't repent. You didn't let the acts and the works of God adjust the way you see life and think and live and be. And for that, he's rebuking them. There's another side of that coin. If these miracles had happened, and he lists off these towns that were known for their evilness, they were known for darkness. He said, if they, this, this is sobering to me. He said, if they had seen the same miracles, they would have changed. There is a connection to seeing the Spirit of God touch a city with a responsibility on the bride of Christ to show them miracles. Jesus said, he said, if you would have shown them miracles, they would have changed. At the same time, you didn't repent. There's a responsibility on our behalf that we can't come in week after week after week and sit in the glory of God and see the miraculous without walking in repentance. Charles Finney said, Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It's the giving up of one's will to God in deep humility. Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is, giving up one, it is giving up one's will. Listen to me, church. It is giving up your will. It is letting go of your preferences. In humility, to experience more of him. When Jesus was baptized, Jesus, first of all, didn't need to be baptized. He had no sin. And second of all, John the Baptist was not even qualified to do it. He said, I can't, I can't baptize you. You guys remember the story of John the Baptist? He was in the wilderness. The Bible said, go and wait there until you see him. I love this story because there's this unique thing that happens. John the Baptist is in the wilderness baptizing. This is, by the way, not the first time John the Baptist has ever encountered Jesus. The first time he was a fetus. I can preach on that too. The first person to ever recognize the Savior was a fetus. John the Baptist was in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. And it had already been prophesied over her years before that said, You're going to have a baby. And the baby will be filled with the Spirit of God in your womb. When Mary, carrying Jesus, and Elizabeth came in the same room, it said that John the Baptist leapt. I believe he was filled with the Spirit. That baby was kicking, went down in the belly. Baby leapt in her stomach. I mean, mamas, you know what that's like. I'm, I remember when Tiffany, all of ours, are, you have those weird moments when the baby's like, you're like, it's like, whoa. Your baby, the baby's like, this, this 
child in Elizabeth's womb encountered the Savior. The promise encountered the Savior. John the Baptist was a promise, and he encountered the Savior. Something happens when you bring your promises to the Savior, especially the ones that he gave you. And John the Baptist, so fast forward. Now he's waiting to see Jesus again. He's in the wilderness. He's baptizing, baptizing, baptizing. You're going to find the Savior. And and this is so cool to me. Something on John the Baptist when he sees it. said when he saw Jesus afar off. He's never seen him before. When he was afar off, behold, the Lamb of God. Something in John. When you encounter the Savior, you never forget it. And when he saw John the Baptist out afar, he said, or excuse me, when he saw Jesus, the Messiah, far off, behold, the Son of God. You know what happened. Jesus comes. Listen, this is a place of humility. Jesus was modeling, if you will, something that we needed to get years later. He was modeling something that for you to be lifted up. Doesn't he say that the, that, that the humble will be lifted up? For him to step into the place that he was going, it had to come through a baptism, but it had to come through a place of humility. He had to be baptized. He had no sin. And he was baptized by the one who said, I can't baptize you. I'm not worthy. And in that moment, some of you, listen, if, if we could get this, if we could get to the point where when we come in the presence of God, we say, I don't, I, I don't care. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, there's things that I don't understand. Yeah, it goes long. Yeah, it's not as organized as I would like it. <laughs> preference after preference after preference after preference. There comes a point where you just have to say, but Lord, I'm just hungry for you. In, in Proverbs, uh, oh, Proverbs 27, 7 says this, to the famished, even the bitter is sweet. I'm going to read it out of the actual Bible <laughs> so you believe me. Psalms 27, 7, right? Uh, Proverbs. It's going to like, did I just make a fool of myself? Proverbs 27, 7. Let's try again. Somebody is being awakened. I should have just left it at that. There it is. Proverbs 27, 7. One who is full loathes the honeycomb, but the hungry, even the bitter, taste sweet. What does that mean? If you're not hungry enough for God, you'll become a spiritual food critic. People that aren't hungry enough for the Lord sit up in their window like Michael, the wife of David, and judge. Look at the king today. Well, look at the pastor today. Look at my spouse. Whoa, okay. Look at Lucas today. <laughs> I, can I just say, I, um, actually, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to hold on to that one. When you're full, when you're not hungry for God, you become a judge. When you become so full, you get to the point where you sit down and you begin to judge the food. How many know when you're hungry? Every parent knows when your kid gets hungry enough, they'll eat it. Right? I might have broke that rule. I got really hungry a few times. But so often our problem is that you're not hungry enough. If you come in, listen, I'm going... If you come in and you're, I don't feel like this is the majority of the room, but I actually feel like we need to get this if we want breakthrough in the whole room. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I don't feel like this is the majority of the room, but I feel it almost every week. I feel people that are, I don't know what to think about this. I don't like that. Do they have to laugh when he's preaching? Do we have to sing that song one more time? <laughs> Tiffany says, yeah. <laughs> Why did we do it that way? Why do they have to lay hands on me? Why? 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 Oh, you're not hungry. Yeah. Now, there's a difference between a why with the intention to learn and a why that says, I don't like this. Because right. I felt that come at me as soon as I said that. Well, questions are good. Absolutely. As long as God's answering them. He's calling us to a place where we put our preferences down. Jesus, in humility, said, I need you, I need to submit myself in this moment to you, John. I need you to baptize me. I need you. I need that person that, that I don't want to speak into my life. Maybe that's who God's going to bring it through. And in that place, we see that in this baptism of him stepping out, and I'm not going to say humbling himself, but walking in the humility that was already there. The Spirit of God rested on him. And he was baptized into the next place, which was the wilderness. We see a similar story with Joseph, right? I, I, I see in this progression, I almost see Joseph, who's pointing towards a lot of things that we see in Jesus, pointing towards what we're going to walk in. How many remember Joseph when the Lord gave him a dream, right? Gave him these amazing dreams. And Joseph comes and Joseph needs a good baptism of humility because um, he takes the dreams and he goes to his brothers and says, you're going to bow down before me. My brother probably would have done the same thing to me if I told my brother, you're going to bow down before me. He comes to him and he's got his promise and in a place that he was not ready yet to walk in what God was showing him. And he begins to, you know, and listen, just because you have the promise, just because you have the dream doesn't mean that you're ready yet. It can take a lot longer than you think, by the way. That's, that's the one thing I, man, when I did youth ministry, I love teenagers, but they're like, I've waited like two years. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Sometimes it takes a little while. There is a place where Joseph had received these dreams, and we see the process where he says, I'm going to, you know, he just is sharing with them, I'm going to rule. I'm going to rule over you. And this is a big moment, and his brothers are like, mm -mm. And they, what do they do? They sell him. They sold their brother. And you follow this journey of, of Joseph to the point where, you know, he goes through all these ups and these downs, and he ends up sitting in prison because of the promise. And something comes out of his mouth. Someone says, I hear you interpret dreams. And, there's, and, he, and Joseph says this. He says, tell me your dream. Joseph was in the place now where he was ready to serve someone else's dream, which means now he was coming into a place that he could start stepping into his dream. See, you see something when you begin to serve another's dream. It was when... Moses was serving his father-in-law's flock. It's when Joseph was sitting in prison and said, tell me your dream. I don't think we often know how much your dream and someone else's dream is connected. Because it was when Joseph said, tell me your dream, that all of a sudden, everything began to come together. And the, and, the, and the journey of the wilderness that was taking Joseph into a place of rulership was starting to happen. You see, the wilderness, by the way, it's not fun, but you don't go into the wilderness to see what you can't do. You go into the wilderness to see what you can do. This is really important. You don't step into the wilderness to test and just show you how weak you are. It tests things in a way that it shows you how strong you are. Yeah. People 
get this confused because we have a breakthrough. You come to church and God moves and whoa, it's powerful. And then all of a sudden you're like, everything has stunk. Can I, can I be honest with you? There has been more sickness in my staff and in my family since I went and had impartation for healing the sick. When you step into new areas, there is resistance. There is resistance. Don't back down. We rededicated this place two or three weeks ago to signs, wonders, and miracles, and the resistance has been intense. I mean real intense. Don't back down. Don't back down. There's a process that you have to go through. Jesus himself was going through the process of what? The enemy coming. And, uh, same as always, the enemy was taking the scriptures and twisting them. And Jesus just put them back and handed them back. I love Jesus' response. He's like, let me fix what you just quoted to me out of context and hand it back to you. We often have in this, in this process of stepping into God moving, we often have two options. It is this. It's very simple. It's your preference or his presence. It's, his, it's your preference or his presence. I think there comes a point where you get so hungry for the Lord. Everything else just, just fades away. I think there's a place where you get so hungry for his glory. Some of you haven't experienced it, really, and that's why you're having a hard time connecting with this. Maybe you haven't. You will this morning. I believe that for you. I've been in outpourings in places where it marked me for my whole life. When I was a kid... I saw things in the spirit that changed me. I'm, I just, that I got to the point I realized I would rather have your, pres your presence than my preference. But see, when there begins to be a battle of what I want versus what he wants, that's what can happen in the atmosphere of miracles where if repentance isn't paired with it. You see, if you're in this place and you're seeing signs, wonders, and miracles, and every week you're going away and there's a battle, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, am I responding to the presence of God with changing the way I do life, with changing my heart, with changing my mind, with changing, with a move of God comes changing the way you operate. We see this point where, here's what happens. We fast forward. John the Baptist has seen some amazing stuff, right? He was, you know, he baptized Jesus. The heavens opened. It was a big moment. And fast forward down the line, and he's sitting in prison, and he's really hurting. Now, this is the guy that, baptize you. You would think, man, if God chose me to baptize him, it's going to end well. It's going to end well, right? All the, and, 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 it's, and it did, but maybe it wasn't ending the way he thought. It wasn't his preference. And he's sitting in prison, and John sends his disciples to Jesus and says this. He says, I want you to go to him, and I want you to find out if he is the one who we were waiting for or if there's one yet to come. Whoa. <laughs> you think you've fallen sometimes into a place of doubt. He baptized the Son of God. He was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. He baptized the Son of God. And fast forward to the end, sitting in prison, he says, go ask him, is he the one? I've said this many times, undealt with pain 
can create a really dangerous place in your life. And here's John sitting in prison saying, just find out if he's even the one. It does something to you. It, it, can, it can challenge the very, everything you've lived for can begin to be challenged. I want you to notice what Jesus does, though. This is important. Jesus doesn't, you know, write back and, oh, John, I'm so sorry. I, I know it's just been a rough ending for you. Oh, John, I, you know, I feel bad that you're stuck in that church. John, I feel bad that you're, you know, it's not working out for you. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus responds to him in Luke. Let's go to Luke 7. Here's what Jesus says. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord and asked to Jesus, Are you the one who is coming, or should we expect someone else? And when the man came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the one who's to come, or should we expect someone else? At the very time, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had disease, sickness, evil spirits, and gave sight to those who were blind. And he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind, everybody listen to this, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, um, the lepers are healed, the deaf can hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Some scriptures say, blessed are those who are not offended. Jesus knows that John is in this really, really, really important part of his life where he's in a moment where he doesn't just need sympathy. Sympathy won't correct your heart. John needed vision again. John needed a reminder of why you're in this prison. Sometimes we need a reminder of why we're even where we're at. And the Lord sent back, and he said, John, he said, here's what happened. I'm going to give you a, a, mini, a little mini thought inside of this. Something, actually, you, you've taught about the messianic miracles there was four specific miracles that they were looking for for many years, like a long time, that they knew that if someone came and performed these four miracles, they're the Son of God. There's no question. And so they had been trained. Priests had been trained. Listen, if somebody does this miracle, bring them to me. We need to know. The first one is a leper being healed. We find this in when Jesus healed the leper in Mark chapter 1. Only, they believed only the Son of God, the Messiah, can heal a leper. Why do you think Jesus said, go back to the priests? Go show yourselves to them. He knows what he's doing. Take your miracle, go show the priest. Why? Because he's starting to establish the concrete reality of I am the Son of God. The second one was that they didn't believe that you could heal a mute. If you could heal a mute, you're the Son of God. The priest believed that the, being, the, the reality of being mute was tied to a demonic... Uh, Possession. They also believed that you couldn't cast out a demon if you didn't know the demon's name. So how do you get the name of a demon from someone who can't talk? Therefore, the only person that could heal a mute would have to be the Messiah. The third miracle was that healing a blind man. They believed that blindness came from either your parents sinning or you sinned in the womb. Talk about a high standard of holiness. Sorry, you must ascend in the womb. That's what they believed. That being blind was from sin that happened either by your parents or you in the womb. And the reality, or excuse me, 
uh, in their minds that you were cursed by God. So if God cursed you, only God could heal you because we can't heal what God curses. So we know that, that only uh, the Messiah could do that. And the fourth one, which is my favorite, is raising someone from the dead after having been dead for at least three days. Because the belief was that your spirit would hang around your body for three days. But after the third day, your spirit lifts and there's no chance. So just maybe a priest could raise you from the dead within three days. Why do you think that Jesus waited till the fourth day to raise Lazarus? You see, Jesus was doing more than just doing what he does, healing people, raising the dead. At the same time, he was establishing in culture, I'm the Messiah. And he was fulfilling one after another in their little process, which is so cool, that he's the Messiah. Now, John's sitting in prison. Jesus responds to John and says, John, (laughs) we did it. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers, they're cleansed, the dead are being raised. What's he doing? John, get outside your pain for a moment. Get outside to the, where you feel like you're in a prison right now. Get your mind back on what we were here to do. Because when you connect vision to pain, you give it a purpose. Pain without vision, it has no purpose, and it hurts so bad. When you're suffering from something and you don't have the vision, it's rough. But if you know, listen, I'm going after this. I'm not letting down. I'm not backing down. I have vision that gives purpose to my pain. Your marriage, maybe you're pushing through. Listen, bring back the whole vision of why. Your kids, the church, what we do, bring back the vision. Jesus knew. John didn't need a hang in there, buddy. I'll see you on the other side. Right? He didn't need that. He, Jesus loved John too much to leave him in that place. And he said, here's what's going to actually get John over, over the hump. Don't be offended. But here's how. Get your eyes back on what you were supposed to do. Here's what we came to do. Gate, and those of you that are just visiting this morning, we have to keep our eyes on what we're called to do. I know we all have different little pockets inside of that that you value. Our priority, our priority in this gathering, listen to me, you hear nothing else I say in the Sunday morning gathering is to come and is to be in his presence. It's experience his presence and it's to see the Lord touch people's lives, to heal them, to save them, to set them free. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if the worship team, if it's the 101 time they sung that line, I don't understand how that works. It's usually right about the point you just give up. I don't care where it hits, but it's whatever point that is, I'm here for it. And we have to respond. We have to stay away from criticism. We have to stay away from criticism. And I don't mean just in this house. Don't criticize outside this house either. I don't care if you agree with them. I don't care what their theology is. I'm not here to criticize. We have to keep our hearts in humility. And his glory and his presence, this place, you have no idea what it will look like in three months if you steward your heart in humility and say, Lord, whatever it looks like, 
I'm putting my preferences down. I'm challenging you this morning. Put your preferences down. And say, all right. (laughs) Even if it tastes a little bitter, I'm hungry. Even if it doesn't taste the way I like it, I'm hungry. Evan Roberts from the Welsh Revival ended up praying a two-word prayer (laughs) everywhere he went and rocked the nation. And it was this, bend me, bend me. God, bend me. (laughs) Nobody likes, it's not natural to just like, Lord, just make me uncomfortable. He knew the key to God's presence was people that said, Lord, just, just bend me. Bend me. Feel a call to an awareness of when God's moving, keeping our hearts in a place of repentance. And I feel if we do that, and you bring miracles to the city, Charlotte will be saved. Your faith overwhelms me. Charlotte will be saved. <laughs> Whatever your city is, Fort Mill will be saved. (laughs) Matthews will be saved. We have to. We have to keep our hearts in repentance. I know I sound like I'm banging a cymbal this morning. I just feel it. Let's stand up. I'm going to welcome the the prayer team up. Holy Spirit, he's not done yet. I heard I have till 1230 to be in the newcomer lunch. Uh, the nurseries may want you to get your kids before 1230. But um, Holy Spirit, I've shared this the best I can, Lord. Some of you are going to need to come forward and be prayed for. Like John this morning, you're sitting in your pain. And um, this team is not going to be able to necessarily take you through, you know, a whole sozo. But they can help bring back before you God's plans for your life. And I would just encourage those of you praying this morning. That's our weapon. Is, is helping bring back what God's saying. What he, what's he saying? What's he saying? Lord, would you bend us? Lord, would you come in right now? And God, I just, I'm saying it again. We're in this for the long haul. We're committed to seeing a place where your glory can rest and touch people's lives and create a place where our children can rise up and carry on, Father, what's happening now. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Jesus, you are the head of this church. That's a really great declaration to make. Jesus, you are the head of this church. (laughs) You are the head of this church. We're following you. Lord, I I pray that you would come and you would relight the the fire of just um, the passion. I I, I don't even know the right word, but passion in people's hearts. That, uh, That they just are passionate to be with you. They're passionate to pray over their brother and sister. They're passionate to wake up and just to spend a moment with you before life kicks in. They're passionate to just end the day with you before they close their eyes. They're passionate for you. God, may, may this, I just, I declare that, Father, this would be a well 
of just refreshing for people that need to be refreshed. Lord, touch us with your glory. I ask that again. Touch us with your glory. Touch us with your glory. Touch us with your glory. Help us lay down our preferences. Help us lay down. A, some of you need to just ask, Lord, help me. I, some of you struggle with critic, just criticism. Lord, help me lay that down. Help me lay that down in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.